Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nelson. Today in our study of 1 John, we again find ourselves in chapter 2, verses 22 through 23. Today we're discussing the hypostatic union. So 1 John 2, 22 through 23 reads, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So we see in this verse that John puts emphasis on both the person of Jesus, he uses the name Jesus, he uses the name Christ, and he uses the name Son. And I want to dive into that a little bit more. So when I opened, I used the term, the hypostatic union. So Jesus has two natures, fully divine and fully human. So we're going to look into his divine nature and his human nature and how that the union of them, the hypostatic union, is not in conflict, but rather complementary. So first, let's look at his divine nature. Christ's divinity is strongly taught by Scripture. We see this in John 1.1, 1, 1, verse 18, chapter 20, verse 28, Romans 9.5, Titus 2.13, Hebrews 1.3, 18, and etc. And one verse in particular that I like is Hebrews 1.3. He, referring to Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So he is like... Actually, he is the nature, he has the nature of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And only Jesus can do this, be an exact replica of the infinitude of God. So we see that Jesus has all the attributes of God. We see his omnipotence in Matthew 8, 26-27 and 14, 19. We see that he is all-glorious, Hebrews 1.3, which we referenced earlier, the radiance of the glory of God. We see his eternity in John 8.58 and Revelation 22.13. We see his omniscience in Mark 2.8 and John 1.48. We see his immortality in his resurrection. He rose from the dead. Death could not hold him. And so we see we also, we also see that he cannot be tempted from James 1.13. So those, that is just a brief overview of Christ's divinity. There's a lot more on this, and this has been a doctrine repeatedly affirmed in the church, and it is clearly taught by Scripture. So that is necessary to our belief. John says this, This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. And he says that Jesus is the Christ. So, we also see that Jesus is fully human. We, also, we get this from Christ is Jesus. Jesus is Christ. Christ is Jesus. So Jesus had human weaknesses. And that's a little hard for us to understand. How could God have weakness? We'll get to that in a little bit. So we first see that Jesus had hunger pains. We see this in Matthew 4.2. He needed sleep. We see this in Matthew 8.27. He had limited knowledge and wisdom. We see this from Luke 3.52 and Mark 13.32. We see that he died, obviously, on the crucifixion. And we see that he faced temptation in Hebrews 4.15. So that probably sounded like it's in conflict with his divine nature. However, I would argue that it is complementary. So 
Before we begin, we have to remember a few things. First, we have to remember that Scripture is all true. Scripture is inerrant, meaning there is no errors in it at all. So we have to remember that none of it is in conflict with each other. One doesn't cancel out another part of Scripture. And we also have to remember that what, Je- about what one nature does, the whole person of Jesus does. So G- the Bible doesn't talk about like the divine nature did this or the human nature did this. No, it says Jesus did this. Jesus did that. And so that's how we should refer to, God, to Jesus. Excuse me. So first, I'm going to look at temptation as an example. So we see that scripture clearly teaches that God cannot be tempted from James 1.13. And we see that Jesus was God. So his human nature went through temptation. We see that in Hebrews 4.15. So Jesus was tempted. However, we also see that Jesus' divine nature cannot be tempted. So Jesus was not tempted. So that's a little bit hard for us to understand. Jesus was tempted and he wasn't tempted. Scripture teaches both. So we can understand this a little bit by this. While Jesus could not have sinned, he did go through the full pain of temptation. So I like the illustration of a swimmer who's trying to go a super long distance. So this super long distance is dangerous. So he has a life raft following behind him. That's not helping him, but in an emergency, it's there to save him. So, that's like Jesus. His divine nature prevents him from sinning. However, he went through the full pain. He did swim that whole distance, to go back to that analogy. And he actually went through more pain than us when it comes to temptation, because he didn't sin. When we're faced with temptation, the temptation stops when we sin. But obviously, the temptation for Jesus didn't stop because he didn't sin. And so, since all of Scripture is true, these passages do not conflict with each other. Rather, they complement each other and give us an example for how we should live. So, we see from the temptation example that we can follow after Christ's example and we can also worship him for being perfect and for being completely holy, set apart from sin and the desires of the world and temptations because he was not tempted and yet he was so we can fight sin and fight temptation like Jesus did but also worship Christ for not being tempted so this is probably a little confusing so some good extra resources to look at are Wayne Grudem's chapter on the person of Christ in his book, Systematic Theology, it's a great help. And that's helped me get a better grasp on the hypostatic union. And you should also check out John Owen's book, The Glory of Christ. That also is a good book on the nature of Christ and the person of Christ. So you might be wondering, why is this important? So first off, Jesus' hypostatic union is necessary for our atonement. That's why John demanded that we have to accept that Jesus is the Christ or we are a liar. Because if Jesus wasn't fully human, he couldn't pay for humans. But if he wasn't fully God, then he could only pay for himself. I mean, think about it. If he was just a perfect human, he'd get himself into heaven and that'd be it. However, 
he paid for the sins of the world because he was and is an infinite God. And so we also need to remember that Christ is both the God we must fear and the example we should follow. That's why this is so important. We need to fear God and remember that he is greater than us who fear Christ. But we also need to follow after him and go to him as our brother in Christ. And so hopefully this encourages you to both do some studying on the hypostatic union through scripture and to remember that Christ is both the God we must fear and the brother that we must follow. Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform and share us with your family and friends. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please send them to me at daniel at adoptedbelievers.com.